Do you know what forgiveness is? Why do you think forgiveness is important? Because when someone does something mean to you, um, you'll give them one more chance. Do you know what forgiveness is? Why do you think forgiveness is important? Um, well, I had to forgive him once because he fell off his bed and hit my head and made me like a big mark. You're the one who tripped me, so I have to forgive you. You guys should just forgive each other. I don't think you guys have forgiven each other yet. <laughs> <laughs> with, with children, they forgive each other so quick. If that was a husband and wife sitting next to each other, that's like 10 weeks session just with that one small thing. But we all know that forgiveness is something we all deal with. You know, we, we're going to battle with that, and it starts at an early age. It starts with a brother and sister or siblings that you took this from me or stop kicking me or stay on your side or that's my drink, that's not yours, that's mine. You, you'll have that. Now, if you have just, you know, if you're a single child or the only child, you've never really dealt with that in the family or as parents, you really don't deal with that until friends come over. And then they want to play with your child's things. Now it's mine. How come they're playing with it? But they learn how to share. When it comes to forgiveness, forgiveness is it's something that as we learn, we, we kind of tend to go backwards as we grow up. When we're young, we ask for forgiveness or I'm sorry. We're done. We're playing. We're, we're fine. And we're playing with each other for the next whatever days. But as we grow older and we get into intermediate school and high school, then when somebody starts to do something, you hold a grudge against them. Believe it or not, some people still have grudges against their friends or others from high school, even till this day. Even though you're a Christian, you still have something against someone else because of what they did in high school. But then as you grow up, as adults, we learn even more how to hide unforgiveness, how to hide those things. And so we play the, the, the cordial game. Oh, hi, how are you doing? Good, great to see you. Good. Inside you're saying, I hate you. I hate you. You want to say this about me? You want to do this? And social media doesn't help at all. Because some people during uh, their social media time, they'll read certain posts and then they'll post back and then they'll c continue to add more and more and more. And then after a while, all kinds of people are posting and saying evil things about each other. When you get to those points, just scroll past it. You don't need to get into all of that. Why? Because unforgiveness ruins you. It ruins you. It ruins us. That's why we're going to talk today about Jesus' forgiveness for us. When we understand that Jesus has forgiven us, then we can, instead of us looking at other people and their flaws and faults, now we get to turn to God and say, okay, God, help me with me. You know, where am I in this, in this thing called forgiveness? See, receiving forgiveness from Jesus Christ can be difficult because we keep reviewing our past or we listen to what other people have said. Or we just feel guilty about it all the time. And, and we can't get rid of it because we keep thinking about it. But Jesus is going to give us a way that, 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 that as he offers forgiveness, that we're going to be able to continue to become the people he made us to be. That we can move forward 
Not to sweep everything under the rug or as we grow up as adults to play the cordial game with God, but He's going to help us in how we can be cleansed and be forgiven, but not just that, but to receive that forgiveness. When I was uh, playing basketball this one time, uh, one of the guys turned and by accident cracked me right in my eye and the elbow part you know, just hit me right in my eye, and, and thank God it didn't, you know, go in the socket. It just went right over my eye, and I had to sit for a little while, put some ice on it. We didn't have ice. We put, like, a Gatorade bottle on it, and then it became black and blue, and then for a couple days, it was just, you know, black and blue. Then it turned a little yellow, so it went through all those different color changes. The week after, when I went back to play, I felt myself being a little edgy, like anytime someone came close to me, I, I kind of shuddered and it was, it was fearful. Like it, there's just something in your psyche that says, be careful, it might happen again. So I wasn't playing as hard. I was cautious. I, was, I wasn't as uh, determined or, and I wasn't as uh, risk-taking as I would be normally. And it was a result of being hit the week before. One of my friends was telling me a story about his son who uh, dislocated his elbow during wrestling and had to be in a cast for about six weeks. Uh, had to, I think had to do surgery. <clears throat> and so after that, his son didn't want to uh, continue in wrestling. And his dad had a shoulder injury when he was in football and remembers when his shoulder got popped out, he had to you know, get that thing straight. But the coach put him right back into football. And what that did was it caused his psyche or his mind to reset itself to say, don't be afraid of getting back in the game. And so he told his son that story and, and he said to his son, you know, go back into wrestling. Continue. Because you'll not know if it's the fear of getting hurt again or you're just losing passion for wrestling. Well, his son went back to wrestling, and his son loves it, and it was actually the fear of breaking his elbow again. And I thought, that's kind of like us when it comes to the things that we've done wrong against God, or we call it sin. We, we miss the mark, or we, we're disobedient to God. That whenever we do something that's disobedient to God, and we feel that pain, then we don't take risks anymore. And when we don't understand that Jesus forgives us, we just live a life that's kind of like in a shell that, that we say, well, I don't, I don't want to do anything because what if I do this and then I hurt someone again? What if I do this and then I'm wrong again? So we almost barricade ourselves and now we're stuck because we can't move forward because we keep thinking about the things that we did that were wrong against God and the people that we hurt. And so we never come back to church. We never face people. We're afraid to see people or we're ashamed. And on all that time, we're missing out on the great things that God can do in our lives. Then we'll listen to people. And we'll listen to the negative things that they say. And the more we do that, the more we put ourselves down. See, when we sin and we come to know Jesus, we still have memories of our past sins and even the mistakes that we've made. But as we walk with Him, we will still sin and make mistakes. But, but here's the difference. Because we're, we're going to still feel that guilt. And, and we're, we're going to probably feel worse 
sinning while we know Jesus than before we knew him. And here's why. Because now that you know Jesus, his spirit lives in you. Guilt is an end in itself. But conviction is what draws us closer to God. Guilt push, pushes us away. But when we're convicted by his spirit, it, it's a, it feels heavier. And it's supposed to feel that way. It's kind of like with our parents. If you were to do something wrong that you didn't know was wrong in your household, and then your mom or dad came and said, hey, that wasn't, you weren't supposed to do that. But why? Because daddy said so. Because mommy said so. Because this is going to happen and that. Now that you understand, now you do something that dad or mom said not to do, you feel that much more weight to it rather than, oh, I didn't even know at all. The Bible calls it unintentional sin and intentional sin. Unintentional sin means I didn't even know. I didn't, I, I didn't know it was wrong or I, it was just, it was an, an accidental disobedience to God. I just didn't know. It was a lack of knowledge or whatever it would be. Intentional sin is willful rebellion. You just willfully rebel against God. You willfully disobey God. And when we willfully disobey God, now we know, now we're held more accountable, therefore so much more weight to it. And so what do you do then? What do you do if you're, if you're a believer, you came to know Jesus Christ, but you're still learning? Well, we're going to go through a couple things today, four key elements that will help us to understand not only that Jesus forgives us, but how do we deal with that? If not, if we don't deal with unforgiveness or even receiving forgiveness from Jesus Christ, then we, we can't continue to become the person he made us to be. We're going to stop right where we are and then we're done. Isaiah chapter 55, it's in your notes. You can take out your notes uh, from your bulletin and you can follow along with us. Isaiah 55 verses 6 through 7, it says this, Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will, what? Forgive generously. Imagine that if your spouse forgave you generously. You came home late. Oh, we're okay. We're fine. Uh, you, you burnt the meal. No worries, honey. It's okay. We just scrape them off. We're fine. You did something wrong. Honey, I forgive you. And forgave you generously. Now, two things would happen. One, you would just continue to do whatever you wanted to do because your spouse continued to forgive you. Or two, you would come to a point that says, you know what? i got to change. Because he or she is so forgiving that I hate doing this to them. I hate doing the same thing over and over. You're going to do either one. And that's what God says to us. I forgive you generously. And so now our decision is we're going to do either one. We're either going to continue to sin because God forgives us generously or we're going to say, I hate doing this to you, God. You're so forgiving and loving. I'm not going to do this anymore. I, I'm just not going to. Why? Because it hurts your heart, God. So I'm done with that. I'm going to do something new because you forgive me. Acts 10, 42. It says, And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is, is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all. 
the living and the dead. And then he continues, and he says, He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. In other words, we're forgiven because of Jesus Christ. Here's the first thing that we can learn. Number one, you can write this in your points. God, God's nature is forgiving. God's nature is forgiving. That's who he is. That's his character. And when we understand the nature of God and that he's forgiving, he becomes approachable rather than unapproachable. I think we had fear of facing our parents when we did something wrong because we would get lickings or we would get a spanking or we would get grounded or something, some consequence would happen. So we wouldn't tell our parents. We would hide it until we got caught and then was even worse. And probably one of the most difficult things is when our parents say, just tell us the truth. Just tell us the truth. Be honest with us. And then when we're honest, we get lickings and then we say, wait, honesty equals lickings. But what our parents were saying and what we would say to our children is, if you're open with us, the punishment is not as bad. You're still going to get punished, but it's not going to be as bad. Because don't you hate it when our children lie to us? That's worse than the actual offense that was caused in the first place. Now you're not even talking about what they did wrong. You're talking about lying. And God is the same. He's a heavenly father. He's a good father. And so what he's saying is, my nature is forgiving. You can just come to me. I'm approachable. You can always come to me. Psalm 103 verse 8, it says, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry. He's very slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. In other words, it cannot connect to each other. East and west cannot connect. That's how far it is. Now, some of us have, um, have really good eyesight. And when we're walking around and someone says, hey, is that so-and-so? You can easily pick out that person and say, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so. Some of us, we're like, I don't know who that is. Everybody looks like trees walking around. I don't know who that is. That's because our eyesight is bad. Now, God has removed our sins far from him. He's removed it as far as the east is to the west. It's so far it's almost like you cannot even recognize what it is. It's, it's, it's far in the distance. That's what it means to be removed. He removed our sins, which means he put it far from us. It's at a distance. But, but here's, here's, here's what happens. When we try to look back at our sins after asking him for forgiveness and him forgiving us, when we look back at our sins and our past, it's so far in the distance that we can't even recognize it anymore. And so we have a, a misconstrued uh, uh, vision of what our sin actually was that we start making up stuff after a while. 
Then the devil comes in and he starts to play with our mind. And he says, remember what you did? This is what you did. This is what has happened. Look at the consequences. Look at what you suffered. Look at what your family suffered. Look at what your spouse suffered. So he'll, he'll bring all of that up. But we got to remember, it's in the distance. We can't even make out what it is. We're trying to figure out, okay, what, what did I do? Oh, yeah, I did that. And then you try to piece it together and then you replay it in your mind. Now, the problem with that is now your mind is connecting to something that is far from you. Even though it may have just happened yesterday or today, and you ask God for forgiveness, He removed it from us, it's in a distance, our mind will start to now reconnect, and now it's going to neurologically change its pattern to remember that sin, but it's also going to almost like uh, uh, reconfigure itself so that you feel the pain you did before. Now you have a new way of thinking that shouldn't be there because you've already been forgiven, but now you're putting it upon yourself. And now you're rethinking the things that you did, and now your mind is stuck in this rut. And you're trying to figure out, how, how, do, I, how do I make this work out? How, how, do I, how do I get my relationship better? But you're constantly thinking about the things you did. Or someone else is. Someone else is constantly reminding you of what you have done. Uh, that's even worse. Or you're reminding someone of what they have done. That, that's far worse than you reminding yourself because that sin that was committed, you didn't commit. Or that other person didn't. So when God says, I removed your sins as far as the east is from the west, he removed my sin. But if someone else is saying something to me, or you're saying something to someone else about their sin... It's removed from them. Now you're trying to make them remember what you remember that has nothing to do with how they already think now. So if we keep doing that, now it has nothing to do with sin. It has nothing to do with Jesus' forgiveness for you and I. It has everything to do with what we're thinking about now. We've already been forgiven. It's removed from us. It's far away. But we keep revisiting that scene and we have a miscalculation of how we're supposed to live today because of something that already happened. Once we disapprove of who we are in Jesus, we don't move any further. Once we have this disapproval of, of the things that we have done and now we're saying to ourselves, oh, I'm not worthy, I, I'm, I'm less valuable, I, I, I shouldn't have, I should have known better. The, the more we do that, the less we become for Jesus. God's nature is forgiving. There's a reason why He's like that. There's a reason why God is forgiving and, and merciful. And there's a reason why He offers that to us. If not, and we continue to live like that, we live shallow lives. We, we live, even as a Christian, we live shallow lives as a Christian. We, we never take risks for God. We, we never step outside of, of, of being comfortable. We always want to play it safe, and we never reach our full potential. But we have to understand not just that God's nature is forgiving, but here's the second thing, that Jesus put sin to death. He put sin to death. 
Now, this one is a little tough for us to understand because we still sin or there's still sin in the world. So how can, how can we say that Jesus put sin to death, but there's still sin? See, if I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I am no longer a slave to sin. The Bible tells us that. But if I am freed from sin, then shouldn't, that, shouldn't I live a life that is sinless? Well, we still sin, but not out of being a slave to it. But because now we choose to sin. Before we would sin, before we knew Jesus Christ, we would sin because we're a slave to sin. It would just, hap- it would just happen as a result of us being a slave to sin. But when you were redeemed by Jesus, your old nature died and you were free from the grip of sin, being a slave to sin. When Jesus addressed this one woman, we know her as the adulterous woman if you read your Bible, he said to her, go and sin no more. You know what he was saying? He was saying, you have a choice now to sin. Before, it was maybe a mistake or just as unintentional sin. You, you did that as a result of not knowing. But he corrected her and he says, now, now you have a choice. It's found in John 8 verses 10 and 11 when Jesus had raised himself up. And that's after people were condemning her and wanted to um, throw rocks at her and, and stone her to death. Jesus said to them, He who is without sin cast the first stone. And they all dropped their stones. But now Jesus, when he had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are your accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And listen to the words of Jesus Christ. He says, And Jesus said to her, Neither do I, neither do I condemn you. Then he says, Go and sin no more. See, what Jesus is letting her know is, I've given you mercy, I've given you grace, I've forgiven you, but now you have the choice to sin no more. It's, it's your choice. It's going to be up to you. Forgiveness is not given. Listen carefully. Forgiveness is not given so that I can continue sinning. Forgiveness is given so I can continue in His power to go and sin no more. That's what forgiveness is given for. It's to give me the power to go and sin no more. It's the power that He gives to us. Romans 6, 1 and 2, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And it continues, For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Now let's read this part together. Ready? Go. For he who has died has been freed from sin. So when we gave our life to Jesus Christ, we died to our old self. If you can catch that. That's what it means to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. That when He died for our sin, and now we've accepted Him, we also have died to our sin. So He who has died has been freed from sin. 
when we actually die physically, because the first one was a, a spiritual death, we died spiritually to our ways so that we can live spiritually for His ways and now we don't carry these sins. When we die physically, we're freed from sin because we go home to be with the Father. So we're freed from sin. He's saying spiritually that happens too because when Jesus died for our sins and now we live for Him, it is no longer I who live but Christ in us. We have been crucified with Christ on the cross. So we have put sin to death. We're freed from sin. Colossians 1, 13 and 14, it says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Most of the times we, we, we say this and, and it's, it's not really biblical, but I know what we're saying. We say, we need to forgive ourselves. And basically what we're saying is we got to get past that. We, we actually don't have the power to forgive ourselves. But I, I know what we're saying. We're actually saying Jesus forgives us. We just got to receive it. And because we're not receiving it, we don't know how else to say it, but I got to forgive myself. If God forgave me, I got to forgive myself. No, if God forgave you, you're already forgiven. You don't need to forgive yourself. You just need to accept it and receive his forgiveness. Here's the third thing. Forgiveness is possible through Jesus. That's, that's where forgiveness comes from. It's possible through Jesus. It's not going to be possible from us or someone else. It's possible through Jesus. We forgive one another because of Jesus' forgiveness for us. But forgiveness really is only possible through Jesus Christ. He's the one that puts sin to death. That's, that's what forgiveness does. Forgiveness is for those who have sinned. Otherwise, there need no, there needs, we don't need forgiveness. If there is no sin, there is no forgiveness. Because to forgive means to pay in full. To sin means now there needs to be a payment for that sin. You did something wrong, there needs to be compensation for it. Someone needs to pay for that sin. And the Bible says the result of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. So there needs to be a payment for, for, for sin. Jesus paid for it. He already, he already paid for our sin. So here's what this means. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Catch that, okay? I really want us to catch this. You have become a new person. The old life is gone. Okay, the old life is gone. A new life has begun. And it continues, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. You know what God is saying? First of all, when you receive me as your Lord and Savior, you're a new person. That old life is gone. It's gone, but for some reason you keep living like it. It's gone. 
You know how much work it takes to live your old life that is dead? You got to resuscitate it all the time. You got to redo what has already been done and reenact the thing again in this new power that you have. And so now you're depleting your own power that God gives to you to overcome the old life. And now you're working so hard to live a life for God and your old life. You know how much work that takes? And you're going to actually feel it. You're going to say this. Oh, it's hard to follow Jesus. You know how hard it is? It's, it's hard because you're keeping the dead man, the dead woman, alive. You're dragging that body around. You're dragging your old self around everywhere you go. It should be hard. It should be hard if you're a Christian living a dead life and dragging your old self around. It's like, come on, buddy. Come on. We got to live the old life today. Come on. And you got to resuscitate that old dead life while your new life is saying, what, you're using all this power to bring back your old dead self? You're supposed to be using this new power for this new life that God has begun to reconcile yourself back to Him as well as reconciling other people back to Himself. It's like you're wasting the power of God on your old life. I'd say, let's receive His forgiveness so that we can use the power of forgiveness that He gave to us to live the new life that He promised as well as helping other people find reconciliation with God, reconciling that relationship with Him. See, we know now what it means to live a life for Jesus Christ. We know now what it means to be forgiven. The heavy burden has been lifted. But there are many people who don't know Jesus Christ. And they're living in such a way that they're dying. But they don't know that there's hope. We can give them hope. And when Jesus died on the cross, it's like we were given a sword with the power to slay the dragon of sin. All we need to do now is swing the sword. He's given us the power. He's given us the sword to slay the dragon of sin. But now it's our choice to take the sword out of its sheath and slay the dragon of sin. But now, we may not understand that we have a choice that we can use the power of forgiveness to slay sin. Or, or we can keep the sword in its sheath, which leads us to bondage, which now we're stuck in this sin. Listen, we're not slaves to sin because of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and us believing in Him. Believing in him. Now, sin becomes a choice that enslaves us. It's our choice that enslaves us. Not sin anymore. He put sin to death. Our choices now enslave us because the more you do something, the more it becomes a habit. And you don't even recognize that you're doing it. Social media has a, has a way of uh, rewiring our brain without even knowing it. For instance, some of us, we cannot get off of social media. We just cannot. One-third of the world is on social media. About 2.5 billion people are using social media. Roughly over 2 billion people. Social media, Facebook, Instagram, whatever else uh, way they're going to connect, uh, Twitter. Uh, just social media in a way to connect with people. One-third of the planet. 5 to 10%. That's a lot. 5 to 10% of the people. What is that, 200 million people maybe? 
uh, if it's 10%, right? 2.5, what is that? 10, uh, 2.5, uh, 2, 2, 2 million, 200 million, 500,000, I don't know, something like that. You tell me after, mathematicians. A lot of people cannot get off of social media. They just can't. So they're on it all day. Even at work, they can't. Now that leaves the other 90% that are able to, but here's what happens. Social media gives us an instant gratification. And as we're, as we're on social media and we're reading certain things and we're watching certain videos and getting certain posts and, and people liking our post or whatever it is, it feels good. So because it feels good, dopamine is released into our system, which is a feel-good uh, chemical in our body. So now we like it. And so the more we do that, the more, the more we're on social media, our brain actually rewires itself to now configure itself to needing to go to social media. It, we have to. It's, it's now an addiction. And although not a drug addiction, research has shown that when they can scan the brain between someone who is using a drug and someone who is addicted to social media, same brain activity. Now, it doesn't kill your brain like drugs do, but it rewires your brain, so there's the same brain activity that's happening. So much that your brain cannot even determine how to keep memory of something. And we believe that, well, I can multitask. I can multitask. I'm on the computer. I'm at work. I can social media. I can check my phone. I can do, 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 do. You, you think that you're doing so well, but you're actually not. Research has also shown in studies that the more we do that with social media and we're trying to multitask with everything, our brain cannot determine interference when it needs to block everything out. If we're supposed to concentrate on something, we can't. Because our brain has rewired itself to be able to get all the distractions in. That's why we're easily distracted. Because we don't know how to filter out the distractions. So much so that there's a thing called phenomenal, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, what is it called? Phantom vibrations. That in the middle of doing something, you thought your phone went off. And you check your phone, you're like, was that my phone? Is somebody hear my phone? Is that my phone ringing? You could be at work in noise, and then you, you feel like, oh, was that my phone? Oh, no, you hear, mm, mm. You're like, is that my phone? And it's so much so that you have phantom vibrations. Even if you're itchy somewhere, you mistake it for your phone going off. So if your phone, you think your phone goes off, you check it, it didn't, maybe you're itchy. <laughs> but your brain has rewired itself. Social media has rewired our brain without even knowing it. But the companies that produce these uh, software, they know it. That's why it's called like my page. Because when someone likes us, dopamine is released and we feel good. So when it comes to forgiveness and Jesus saying, I want to give you forgiveness. I want to help you with this. The more you reject that, the more your brain rewires rejection. The more you say to God, yeah, but I did this, the more your brain rewires itself to live in that past. So now your behavioral patterns become a way of life 
that you're not supposed to live because your brain has already rewired itself. And God is saying, listen, I'm giving you forgiveness because you're living a life that you're not supposed to live. Your brain has rewired itself. See, there's a major difference between making a mistake and now choosing to sin. A mistake happens as a result of knowledge or an action or judgment that is misguided or wrong. That's the unintentional or intentional sin. But now that we know that Jesus offers us forgiveness, we can receive that. Luke 23, 34, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. Why? Because they don't know what they are doing. You know, Jesus was actually speaking accurately of our brains are rewired. That's what he was saying. They actually don't know what they're doing. That's why he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Because the more you do something, the more it becomes a habit. The more it becomes a habit, the more it becomes automatic. And you automatically sin. Because your brain has actually rewired itself to live that way. And when Jesus died on the cross, he said, Father, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. Now, we can use that as an excuse when we do something wrong and our spouse says, hey, you know, you did this. Hey, I never know what I was doing. Okay, the pastor said, my brain is rewired, so I don't know. (laughs) When Jesus offers forgiveness, we choose to continue to sin, which rewires us. But he says, no, I offer you forgiveness so that you can continue to move forward. Here's the fourth thing. Because what if you sin willingly? Receive his forgiveness. What if you now intentionally sin? You receive his forgiveness. Yeah, but I keep making the same. Stop with that thinking. Receive his forgiveness. Yeah, but I sin 10 times a day. Receive his forgiveness. Tomorrow it'll be nine. Yeah, but I sin nine times. I'm... Receive his forgiveness. Today, next day it'll be eight. You keep receiving his forgiveness because it, that's the power to overcome sin. It's his forgiveness. Jesus invites us to receive his forgiveness. He invites us. Forgiveness in the spiritual realm doesn't mean there are no consequences in the physical realm. In other words, just because Jesus forgives me of my sins doesn't mean there are no consequences to my sins. Because some of us feel that, oh, he forgives me, forgives me, forgives me. Okay, I can just keep doing what I'm going to do. No. There are still going to be consequences. But even then, you keep receiving his forgiveness because that's the power that's going to be needed to become everything he made us to be. He invites us to receive his forgiveness. Now, why does he invite us? Think about it. Let's just say you saw someone on Monday at work and they tell you, oh, I missed you at our wedding. I, you know, I, I, it was so good. We was hoping you would be there on Saturday. And you're thinking, wedding? I didn't get no invitation to a wedding. And you're thinking, oh boy, i got to make up some excuse because if I say I didn't get an invitation, then I'm going to make them feel bad. If I make them feel bad, then now I'm going to look bad. So I'm just going to make something up. Oh, I'm so sorry I got sick. I couldn't make it. Oh, I, was, I wanted to be there. So how was the wedding? And you have no idea what you're talking about. How was the wedding? How was it? So how is your spouse? And you didn't even know their name. Well, yeah, that, that person. And so now you're trying to think of, okay, what, what just happened? 
And then you come to find out, they, t- they tell you, no, I, I gave you an invitation. And I gave it to your daughter or your son. And now you're thinking, seriously, you gave it to my teenager? What were you thinking? But even though they may say, where were you? You may be thinking in your mind, you never invite me. You never invite me. Whatever miscommunication happened, whatever uh, mishap that took place, you're just thinking, I didn't go because I didn't know. You didn't invite me. Now, some of us, if we hear about a party, we're like, I don't care, I get an invitation, I'm going to go anyway. <laughs> but Jesus actually invites us. Look at what the scriptures say in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Listen, isn't it difficult to just carry unforgiveness? Isn't it heavy to walk around with unforgiveness? Jesus says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, when he says my burden is light, there's still a burden. There's still a burden, but it's light. He's gentle. But the burden that Jesus is talking about is not carrying sin. There are still burdens that we're going to carry. One of the major burdens that we carry is actually receiving His forgiveness. And we don't feel we can receive it. He says in Isaiah 1.19, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be white They will be as white as snow. Though they are like crimson, they shall be as wool. So what if you keep sinning and what if you know all these things? I'm only going to tell you what the Bible says. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know if you'll be cleansed in the way you want to be cleansed or if you're going to live the way you feel you should live. All I know is what the Bible promises. All I know is if we obey God's word, we reach our full potential. Because he has plans for us. Here's how 1 John 1, 6 says it. 6 and 9. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. In other words, we, we are lying to ourselves, thinking that we can have fellowship with God or have a relationship with God, but continue to do the things we've done. We're lying to ourselves. We are not practicing the truth. So what do we do? But if we confess our sins to Him, we need to catch this. This brings everything that we've been talking about this morning to where our power from God comes from. If we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. He is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. Even when we're unfaithful to Him, He remains faithful. So receive His forgiveness today. Today is a brand new day. Our old life is gone. Stop carrying that dead body around. Let it go. Confess your sins to Him. And He is faithful 
to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Or in some Bibles it says from all unrighteousness. Jesus forgives you. That's a simple truth. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we pray today, some of us, we we still struggle with what our life is going to look like. We still struggle with this thing called sin and and doing the things that are not pleasing to you. But Lord, give us that, that vision of what our life could be like if we just receive the forgiveness that you have given to us. You've already paid the price. It's time for us to stop paying the price that has already been paid for. Let us now live in this new life that you purchased. And Lord, that's our That's our cry this morning. That's our prayer. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, Jesus, I would just love to receive your forgiveness. I've I've never given my heart to you. I've I've never confessed you as my Lord and Savior. If you're here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ and you would like to do that, I want to pray with you. And as we say this prayer, you just mean it with all of your heart. In fact, if you want to receive Jesus, with every head bowed and eyes closed, could you just lift a hand and in doing so, you're saying, I want to give my heart to Jesus today. Good. Anybody else? You're saying, I would like to give my heart to Christ. Good. Anybody else? Good. God sees your hand. He sees you in the back. God sees you right there. Yeah. God sees you. God bless you back there. God sees your hand. Just hold them up for a moment. We can pray together. Yeah, God sees you. He hears your prayer. Okay. You can put your hands down. How many of you, even as Christians, you're saying, boy, I... I just got to receive his forgiveness daily because I need that power. Would you just lift your hand? And that's me, Lord. I'd rece- <laughs> I need your forgiveness every single day, even as a believer. You can put your hands down. Let's pray this prayer together, especially for those who are saying yes to Jesus for the very first time. Here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Forgive me of my sins and wash me clean. Make me brand new. I believe that you died for me. And you rose from the grave to give me eternal life. I trust you. And I will follow you. I leave my old life behind. I drop that dead person that I've been carrying around. And now I pick up the sword to slay the dragon of sin. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all said, Amen.